This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, discipline toolkit in your home. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hey there, families, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I am so excited to be here today with Rachel Rothman, who is going to speak to us about feeding and mealtimes and how we can make mealtimes more peaceful with our kids. Welcome, Rachel, to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. I'm so excited to be here chatting with you. Yeah. So listeners, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Rachel and then Rachel, I'll I'll kind of pass the mic to you and you can introduce yourself and tell us more about your story and why you are so passionate about helping families in this area. So Rachel Rothman is a registered dietitian and pediatric feeding expert in her practice, Nutrition in Bloom, which is such a cute name. Rachel works with children and families to help parents and caregivers feel more empowered and less stressed while feeding their families. Rachel facilitates group coaching, teaching teaches classes, and works one-on-one with clients virtually and through her practice in San Diego. For more information, um, feeding and tips, you can visit her website and we'll give you all those more information in the show notes page and we'll talk about that later. So today, you guys, um, Rachel is, like we said, going to talk to us today about how we can make mealtimes more peaceful um, and she's going to go over a few different things um, and we'll get into that in a minute. But Rachel, will you take just a moment to give us kind of a personal introduction? How old um, are your kids? How many do you have? How did you get into this work and why are you so passionate about it? Absolutely. Thank you for the intro. And, um, you know, it's interesting over when I first started doing this work, I just thought, oh, you know, I love I love education. I love kids. I love working with kids. But when I really started to dive deep, I I really think it, it I can kind of sort of bring it back to my childhood. And as a child, I I remember being maybe eight or nine years old when I went to the doctor and was told that I needed to start eating um, like less candy and more fruit or more bananas, something like that. And the, the doctor was referring to my weight, oh. um, you know, and, and it's like now thinking about it, it's like, that's kind of weird nutrition advice to be giving. But, yeah. um, you know, my, my kind of challenges with surrounding like eating and kind of body image and body shame started at a really young age. And yeah. It, and I think that a lot of, um, from doing this work, I think that a lot of people can kind of relate to that sort of growing up and in your teenage years. And it took me a long time as, as an adult to really like heal that like relationship with food, so to speak. And I, I really believe that I do the work that I do number one. So, um, so no kid has to go through that. Like we really have the power to, help kids have happier meal times. Um, and, and I think that kind of with that story, as I became an adult and decided to go into this field, um, I actually started 
in the food industry and then kind of moved towards the nutrition field and got my master's in nutrition education, um, I realized that it's, it's really hard to feed your kids, right? It's not, and I think you know this with all of parenting, we think like, oh, it's going to be easy. It's going to be great. I know how to eat. My kids are going to know how to eat. They're going to eat what I serve them. Um, but then you have kids and, you start feeding them and it doesn't happen. So my job, I feel like now is not only to help parents feed their kids, but also for parents to just feel happy at mealtimes and not feel stressed because that's, that's really what it's all about. So I have, um, and I have, you know, I, 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 so I have, before I started my practice, I worked at a local children's hospital here in San Diego. So I really gained like a strong clinical foundation before kind of jumping into this. Um, and I have two kids at home. So I have a five and a half year old and a three year old. And I know that like, as soon as I had kids and they started eating, it just made me a better clinician because I'm like, Oh, okay. So this is how it really works in real life. So, um, so I find that my approach is always, you know, very just judgment free and kind of middle of the road and always parents have a choice. So, um, yeah. I love it. That's so cool. Were you at Rady's? I was, yes. Nice. That's where I had both my babies. Mm. I love the staff over there. It was a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's awesome. Okay. So, and I, uh, you said a five-year-old and a two-year-old, right? Three-year-old. Three-year-old. During COVID, how are you? (laughs) Um, you know, we're okay. This morning I can tell you that I'm in a great mood, you know, we're okay. We go through our ups and downs. Um, so my five-year-old started kindergarten this year. So, and she is currently virtual. So we're just kind of figuring that all out. It looks a lot different than what I, obviously what I thought it was going to be like. Um, and my youngest is in preschool part-time. So from a business perspective, it's a little challenging, just kind of navigating family and, um, and business, but I will say I feel so fortunate to kind of do what I do and feel so passionate about it. Um, so, so we have our moments, we have our good days. I have days when I'm like, Oh my God, how am I going to get through the rest of the day? Yeah. Um, we're trying to make the best of it. So, yes. Oh, that's good. Good, good, good. Okay. Well, let's get right into it. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit more about that. That is that is so, I love how our own personal stories usually come into the reason why we do our work, right? And um, yes, I know so many listeners can can um, tap into that kind of resonating with the, um, the idea that there's food brings up so much more. It's not just about the food and nutrition, you know? There's so much, like, I think anxiety and stress and, and control sometimes and judgment and condemnation and shame that can be associated with food, and we don't even realize it. And I love that you kind of bring back that childhood memory and, and have such a, a, a mission to help others not necessarily have to experience that. So it's really beautiful. So, okay, well, when it comes to mealtimes and making them more peaceful, Rachel, um, Tell us about how, number one, um, we can set respectful limits surrounding food and feeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent question. And, um, you know, I think that I, I usually bring it back to and kind of start with something called the division of responsibility, which is a term that was coined by um, Ellen Satter. She's a pediatric dietitian and a family therapist. So, she has done lots and lots of research and talks about this division of responsibility as really 
kind of the how we want the feeding to look like. And what she says is that parents are responsible for the what, the when, and the where of feeding. And children are responsible for the how much and whether of eating. So what that really means is that as parents, we control what we're serving, we control when we're serving it, we control where we're serving it, and but we let our kids decide how much they want to eat and whether they want to eat that or not. So if we kind of break that down, and I kind of want to explain a little bit of like the why behind that, um, you know, feeding is something that at the end of the day, our children control what they put into their bodies, right? We can try bribing them, we can try coercing them, we can try, you know, forcing them, but ultimately they they're the ones who decide that. And what what it what's our job is that we want to we want to to foster this like love of eating, so to speak, but also foster this sense of them trusting themselves. And that's kind of where this healthy relationship of in in food like comes into play, like division of responsibility. Like we want them to be able to make their own decisions when it comes to eating. Because if we think about, you know, five years, 10 years down the road, when they're off in college, they're going to be making their feeding decisions themselves. So if we say to them now, you have to eat your broccoli before you can get off the table, like, what are they really learning from that? And then, you know, where, what's that going to look like in the future as well? Um, And with like, with the division of responsibility, like we're not I, what I'm not saying is just off, let your kids have free range and offer them, you know, whatever, but we're decide we're saying like, this is what's on the menu. And with that, um, just being respectful and we can, we'll talk more about this, but yeah. thinking about like their preferences, we're not going to offer them like a brand new meal with three foods that they've never eaten in their life. We're going to make sure we're, you know, using some of the things that they, that they are already eating. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. Yep, and that is, um, you know, basically the what you shared about Ellen Satter and and like in a nutshell, I've always interpreted that as we are responsible for purchasing and putting on the table what we are okay with our kids eating mm-hmm. and providing like um, a healthy um, and at the same time uh, something that we know they're gonna like, like fruit salad or something. Right. So it's like you put it out. You buy the food and then they're responsible for it and putting what they put inside of their body and the rest, like, it's okay to let go. And and that is like such a simple, but yet very complicated to apply in real life. <laughs> absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think that you're totally right that it, and they're, you know, it's, and, and let's say they decide not to eat at a meal. It's not like we're going to say, okay, we're not feeding you for six hours. Like we're going to offer them another meal at a reasonable time. Yeah. But, but absolutely, I think as parents, it can be really hard to like, let go of that because we need to eat to live. And I think that's what's so hard about it. Like we need to eat to live, we need to, you know, get our nutrients, vitamins and minerals. So it can be so hard to let go of some of that. Yeah, so so just with that point number one of setting respectful limits. So some of the limits that we should be setting is one, like, let's well, if see, tell me if you agree with this, Rachel. So number one is like respectful limits around them and us. So number one, I've seen you talk about how like throwing food can often mean like 
okay, we're done. So it's like the limit is, like, should we throw the food? Then it, it just registers that we're done and we take a break and we can try again later. I'd like another one I think about is like, as far as parents, like we have a respectful limit for ourselves around buying things, right? Like, so if we don't want our kids snacking all day on goldfish and um, granola bars, it would be, would it be reasonable to say that we should have a limit to not buy those? Yeah. Yeah. I think that for both those points and I will say, so number one with the food throwing, it is very age appropriate for kids to throw food, like starting in the toddler years. And I think that, um, as parents, like sometimes some of these behaviors at mealtime, it can feel very personal. Like, um, number one, if you've like made this meal and your child's throwing it, it's like, Oh my gosh, seriously. Like I spent hours in the kitchen. Um, And the other thing, so with that, but yes, I think that kind of teaching kids that, okay, when we throw food, you're showing me you're all done doing it in a way that's very, that's, that's like the respectful parenting approach, like similar to the approach, you know, the positive, like, like the approach that you talk about, but, um, but yeah, doing it where we're kind of teaching them, you know, we're not going to get mad at them. We're not going to overreact to it. Yeah. Um, we might at the beginning, especially if it's like a one-year-old or uh, like 12 to 15 months, we might just take it, put it back on the tray, or we might just take it off the tray and then be, you know, be, okay, you don't want that food. We'll try something else. So yeah, definitely cool. kind of doing it in that sense. Um, and I know also, I just want to say sometimes if you have a dog, kids will like love to feed the dog. <laughs> so it's like throwing the food at the dog. So I said so a lot of times we'll recommend just put the dog, like create the dog for during dinner time, put them in a different room. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of that, that food throwing piece. And and if anyone oh. has questions on that, they can reach out to me because it's definitely easier said than done for sure. Yes. Um, and you have a great blog post about, about that one too. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And then, yeah, just in terms of buying the food, like, yeah, I agree that the food that you offer is food that you're, that you, that you want your kids to be eating. I will say though, that you know, I do work with kids. Um, one of the specialty areas that I have is working with kids who are extremely selective or extremely picky, who might have very few foods that they will eat. So, and that might be like goldfish and granola bars and some other crunchy foods. Cause a lot of times those foods are easier for kids to eat. And we can kind of go into this more later, but, um, but you also want to meet your, your child, like where they're at. So, um, and I have in my guide that I'll share later, I have this template where you can kind of write out like, okay, what's my child currently eating? What are they not yet eating? And how can I sort of put those together to, to offer the foods the best that I can. So beautiful. That's a great clarification, Rachel. Thank you so much. I love it. Okay. Number two, why pressure and bribing aren't the answers. Yikes. Yeah, a lot of parents are so, like, wait, what? <laughs> and and with this, I will say like, no judgment at all. Because yeah. as parents, we, we, we do the best that we can with the information that we have, right? And yeah. we, we want our kids to be, um, we want our kids to be like, to be meeting their nutrient needs. We want them to meet their, get their calcium and their iron. And sometimes it can feel like, if I don't give my child, if I don't say you have to eat three bites of broccoli and then you can have your cookie, they're not going to eat their three bites of broccoli. And, um, a lot of times, like I've had parents say to me, like, well, if I don't make them do it, they're not going to do it. Like, what are you talking about? And I promise you that it is possible. Yeah. It, 
it does take work though. And it takes time. And what, what we really want to do is like have them, we want them to get that like internal motivation to eat like that intrinsic motivation, which it's not easy to do. But what happens when we do bribe them, let's say is like, if you think about what are we teaching them, we're teaching them that in order to get my cookie, which, you know, most kids love cookies, it's, it's like a reward for eating something that's like, I want to say like the bad food or the food that's like not good. Right. So we're kind of teaching them that. So, um, and pressuring too. Um, and I will also say with this point is that when we, um, at mealtimes, if there is like anxiety or pressure, a lot of times some of like the stress hormones are released like cortisol, which can decrease the appetite mm. too. So we want to try to keep mealtimes um, positive. So what, what would be better instead of like pressuring is to more focus on um, focus on like interactions with the food. And focus on getting kids co- more comfortable with the food um, before they're going to actually eat the food. Because some kids do. Yeah, research has shown that it, it can take up to like 15 to 20 exposures of a food before a child will eat it. And for some kids who are even more selective, who might have um, something from like a sensory perspective, like maybe they've been diagnosed with sensory processing disorder or just have challenges with certain senses, you know, I, I find that kids are really on this spectrum. Um, eating can have a really big impact to that and it can feel really scary to try a new food. So we just yeah. want to try to get them more comfortable with that food. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning, you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being air quotes mean to their sister or disrespecting you, but then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you can end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based, firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline 
discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. Yes. That makes sense. I kind of went off on a tangent of your question. No, it's so helpful. And and Rachel, while we're kind of in this area, talk to, what what in words of encouragement do you have for listeners who still are confused? Like, um, so I get the best examples. I live on a block with like a gazillion little kids and they're the most mm-hmm. amazing, precious little kids and their moms and dads are amazing. But I see what they're struggling with and often we'll be walking by and they'll be out front and they'll be like, oh my gosh, we need to talk. Like so-and-so is like, this has been a hard day or whatever. And um, just a, a few weeks ago, a sweet mama neighbor of mine was sharing me with sharing how much drama um, the mealtime can be in the evening. And, and she had said how she had given, uh, you know, a threat basically of like, Hey, if you don't eat this much and finish your food in time, um, then you're not going to get to have, I think books before bed or something like that. So it was, it was definitely a punishment associated with it. And, you know, I tried to like give her a hug and just offer her encouragement and say, Oh, you got to check out some picky eating information. Cause she, you might just have a picky eater. You might just have, um, he might just be struggling with the sensory around it. Like who knows, mm-hmm. but there's probably a lot behind it. It, and, um, instead of it just being like, he's being resistant and disobedient and not listening well, but like to get parents out of the mindset of like, Hey, my kid's just being a pain in the butt and more into like, there's probably something more going on here. And it doesn't have to be on the spectrum of like, you know, sensory disorder or like extreme picky eater. It could just be that like, it's a normal developmental thing. But what I see parents, what happens with parents and what happens with, I can, I could see is happening with this sweet mama is that it's becoming this pressure cooker at the end of the day when it's like health anyways, like the witching Mm -hmm. hour. And, um, and it's just a horrible way to end your night when there's like rewards and bribery and then punishment. And then what I would probably guess happens to so many families is there's actually not follow through. So then like we're setting ourselves up and like, we're not following through with limits that we say we're going to. So then our kids push back more the next day because the question the, like, are, are we actually going to set through with our limits? Um, mm-hmm. So just general words of encouragement before we go any further, just to like help families realign the paradigm almost of like, it sure seems like they're just being a pain in the butt, but yeah, there's a lot more underneath of it often, right? Totally. And I want to like jump into so much advice for right. you with that, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stop uh, and we'll get into that. But um my, my biggest thing is to, is for parents to let go of that pressure that their child needs to eat a certain amount. Just let it yeah. go. It is cool. not your job to get your child to eat. It's not, it's your job to offer the food and provide the food. But especially like at the end of the day, when, when it's such a, you know, and again, I'll, I'll talk about more about that advice, but it's, it's not your job. Like you can offer food, you can instill, um, like limits at mealtimes, meaning we sit at the table, um, you know, there's no throwing food, there's no like jumping up on your chair. But, but at the end of the day, like your job is just to provide the food. And, and I think that sometimes parents, 
feel like they need their kids to eat a certain amount, but they don't really, there's no like basis on, you know, if like your child eats three more bites of broccoli, like what is that really giving them from a nutrition perspective? Yeah. Um, so to just like, just to take that step back and to also think one more thing to think about here is that one meal does not make or break nutrition. When I, when I work with clients one-on-one, I usually have them fill out a three-day food record, um, sometimes even a seven-day food record, and I will analyze, I'll look at their calories, protein, vitamins, and minerals, but it's, it's about how your child feed, eats over time um, when you think yeah. about nutrition. So like one meal, one snack, doesn't really matter. It's about like over time. And, and what I have seen happen to a lot of parents is that they get so focused on the one meal where their child doesn't eat. But maybe at breakfast, they eat like a fabulous breakfast, they eat snacks throughout the day. Um, and you don't really think about it because it's just like going fine. But then there are like those certain meals where it is challenging. So um, yeah. yeah. And so anyway, I think but I think that like pressure piece of just letting that go, like that's not your job. Um, and just like you're saying, the um, it's not, you know, we, we think it's defiant behavior, but it's not defiant behavior. It's again, it can be this scary, this like scary visceral reaction. Um, I do, I, I can't remember. I, I wanted to share a story. I don't know if I can share that should share this now or later, but okay. Okay. Um, so there is a feeding therapist. Her name is uh, Marcia Dunn and she has a story about crickets and eating crickets. Um, have you ever eaten cricket? Mm, yeah. <laughs> no, but I think my daughter okay. has. When Stella was young, we'd take her to this bug <laughs> festival. She loved like bugs and boys when she was three. We had like this funny t-shirt and we went to a festival and she ate them one day. That's all I remember. <laughs> they were like so funny. these weird bug people and they were like, would you like a cricket? And she was like, yes. Wow. That is, that's impressive. <laughs> um, so yeah, if anybody listening has eaten a cricket before eating, or eats crickets, like think of something else that you've never eaten, like something that's yeah. foreign to you. And let's say you um, you are going to a friend's house or a family member's house, and maybe you've been there before and mealtimes have been like a little stressful. So you're already like on edge when you go to their house. Um, and you go and they serve this big bowl of like piping hot crickets. And they're kind of looking at you like, just, just try one bite. Just try one bite, that's all you have to take. You know, like you can do it, just pick it up, just try one bite. Like, is your reaction going to be, sure, I'll pick up that cricket and try one bite? Yeah, no. Uh, Right, probably not. You are probably going to be like, no, I don't want to try it. Um, You know, and and feel just kind of this, just this like icky feeling. But let's say you were to go and the mealtime, you know, and and mealtimes were feeling a little better and the crickets are on the table, but there's also some fruit and some pasta, which you've had before. So, okay. And then you might watch other people eat the crickets. And then you might, maybe you go again a week later and you see somebody um, pick up the cricket and they're like, oh, I can like touch my tongue to this cricket. Ooh, it feels kind of like slimy. How does it feel to you when you touch it? Or can you crunch it? Like, how does it feel when you crunch it? And you're just starting to feel more comfortable with it. So, so I tell this story based on your question, because I think sometimes it's important for parents to realize that for us trying a new food, it's like, oh my gosh, it's just a food. Like we pick it up, we eat it. But for some kids, like new foods can feel like crickets where they, it is, it's not that they're trying to be defiant. It is that it, it, it is scary. So if we can take that piece of like needing to eat a certain amount or trying new foods off the table, 
I think that that can help mealtimes go a lot better. I mean, there still might be other challenges, but, but yeah. that's like a big piece of it. Yeah. And it's it just the pressure for some reason. It's such this like invisible force that you wish you could measure and prove in like a research somehow, because it is, it's crazy what it, what it does when you release it it changes everything. It changes everything. So, but I will say that like, it's no wonder we have, um, concern about it. Um, because that's usually what's underneath it, right? Like if a kid is not sitting and eating their meal or not eating enough or not getting their nutrients, like it's usually this concern about like, they're not getting enough. And for me, like my own personal story, when I had my, my first child, my daughter, was awful, very traumatic birth to begin with, Um, absent birth, didn't see her for three hours, and um, torn placenta, just, we, I woke up, and I was like, whoa, that did not go as planned, (laughs) but when I, when I came out, um, you know, it was like, two days later, the pediatrician finally came in to meet us, and, um, and it was like a panic attack around the milk, and it was like, it was the weirdest thing, but I was like, is this for real? Like, are you really like, oh my gosh, she's not getting enough. Um, you need to start, um, supplementing immediately. And Mm -hmm. I was like, are you serious right now? And so of course, as like a new mom who had just been through this, I was like, okay. And thank God I had, I called them the milkmaids, but they came in at Rady's and there was like this classic, like exactly, like it was hilarious. She, anyways, she was amazing. She was like a little milk angel. And she came in, she was like, okay, don't worry. We're, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you this little um, tube. And like mm-hmm. you put it on as you're breastfeeding. So like the, the formula goes in as they're nursing. So you can still yeah. like get stimulated and do all this stuff. And without her, I probably would have just gone to a bottle and not really realized how I can integrate the two. But we, we always remember that because it was a bit of a panic attack and it was like, yeah. it, there was no like, don't worry, your body's doing great. You're doing a great job, mama. Like d- the milk's going to come in. It's going to be okay. And for right now, let's get her supplemented a little bit just to make sure. It was a very harsh, like panic, like you are not mm. doing enough for your child. And so thank, I mean, we never had to deal with picky eating with Stella. Um, but it always kind of stuck with me as like, wow, that's what a lot of families probably, and there's a a gazillion instances that would probably cause someone to be concerned about their, their child's development. But that's one of those things that just was a weird experience. So it's no wonder parents are really concerned about it, you know? Absolutely. And I will also say, you know, um, I think, yes, there are all of these external pressures, like, you know, you go to your pediatrician, they're sometimes so focused on the growth charts, which like BMI drives me up the wall. It's like, you know, it's, it was, it was meant to be this like one little measure of health. And it's become like the end all of what our child should look like. So take it with a, I mean, this is not medical advice, but definitely like just you know, there's so much more that goes into it. And, and I think that why, when I do meet with clients and I do this food record, I want to see like, what are they really eating? Because sometimes in our minds, they're like only eating a few things or they can't be meeting their needs, but I look at it and maybe they are. Um, and the other pressure piece is I, I think just with parenting in general, we see what our peers are doing. We see what other kids are doing. And we're like, wait, my kid isn't doing that. Why isn't, 
you, you know, my, I like for a parent who maybe has a three-year-old who only had, who has a limited variety and barely seems to be eating anything. And then they go to a play group and they see these kids that with like ravenous appetites that are eating all these foods, you know, every, what I like to remind parents of, and, um, you know, what I would remind your, your friend of that you were mentioning every child is on their own feeding journey and it's going to be a different starting point for everybody. So what's, if you are struggling, what's going to be most important is that you kind of have blinders on for your own journey because you can't compare your child to somebody else. You know, I think about like my daughter who's in kindergarten and they're, they're like learning to read and some kids in the class are reading really well. Some kids are, I mean, it's kindergarten, so they're just learning to read and a child who's barely reading, they're not going to look at a child who's like reading really well and be like, wait, wait, my, my child's not there. Why aren't they there? Like it is a process and that's kind of how feeding is. It is this process. And I think, you know, the more that we can give ourselves grace and give our children grace and realize that if we can, if we can kind of be their partner on this versus like that pressure piece, it's going to go a lot smoother. Yes, that is such a great takeaway. Be their partner instead of kind of the forceful nature. That's that's so helpful. Yeah, and just one more thing about that, and then we're going to get into your your recommendations about routines. Um, But I just think Mm -hmm. more about like the the pressure side of things and how that can f with us so much as parents with our kids and just create this bigger problem. Um, That often is what I see. But I think back to like another experience I had when I when I was younger. So I, I grew up and. Um, so when I was in like third, fourth and fifth grade, I just became like really big. Like I just was got a little chunky and, um, and it's crazy because what's so cool. And it's like, I talk a lot about like ending painful generational cycles in my work and, and I'm very transparent with like things I'm healing from, from my childhood or whatever. Yeah. Like everybody has their own stuff. Right. And right. one thing I always, am like high five to my parents, like they freaking nailed it on this one. They never said anything to me. There was never a mention. It was like three years of like, you look, you look at pictures and you're like, whoa, okay, Wendy. Like, everyone's always like, really? You were like super overweight when you were a kid? And I'm like, yeah, for like three years. And nobody made it a big deal. They just kept me exercising. They get me food. Like, they literally did not even trip for a second. And to this day, like, I look around to a lot of like friends or people I know who have like really intense body issues. And I'm like, yeah. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. And so what happened is like sixth grade, I got like the flu or something or like my body just evened out. Like it was just a, a yeah. growth phase, right? Like, yeah. and it was, everything was okay. And like, even my, my parents weren't like, it wasn't like this perfectly healthy, like they provided healthy foods and I kept, I evened out. It was just like this very natural, they did not stress. There was not pressure mm-hmm. and it just resulted in a be- a very beautiful, um, where it feels like I, I don't really have the issues, right? Or I hate that yeah. word issues, but like, but anyways, I thought it was a good example of like the opposite of pressure. Absolutely. There, thank God I didn't have the doctor that said something, you know, because yeah. it's just, it, it was just a, it was my journey and it, no one needed to trip on it. <laughs> like, that, And all they needed to do was come beside me and just say, Hey, what can we do to help you? You know? So anyways, yeah. I, I love that example. I love that you share that because I think that is a really good point. And I mean, I think like the whole body image thing, that's, that's a talk for another episode. But, yes, I'll have to have you back on. <laughs> yeah. But I think that, 
we kind of going back to like the growth chart, we're like so focused on we have to be like where we need to be. But even if you think about the growth chart, the reason it's a chart and it's like these percentages is some people are at the zero percentile. Some people are at the 99th percentile. And a lot of times we think that we have so much control over how much we weigh and genetics plays like a huge role in things. Yeah. And, and, and just like you're saying with kids, what, what happens a lot of times with kids at certain ages is they, they tend to gain some weight and then they get taller and that, but everybody's at a different size. And when we try to like manipulate the sizes or, or do things surrounding that, that's when we run into the challenges. So what you, you know, you express yeah. just such a great example of continuing to feed in a positive, loving way. And to this day, now you are able to probably, you know, you don't have some of those challenges maybe that some other people face because of what yeah. happened in their childhood. So, yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Well, let's move on to scheduling. Tell us about okay. scheduling and your recommendations around that. Because this is another Absolutely. one. I'm just using my incredible mama friend in the neighborhood for this because it's like she she does. Like she's like we sit down, we have a good schedule. Um, but it just continues to be drama. So, Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question and hopefully some of this advice here that I share will be helpful for her too. Yes. But um so I recommend having um, like a routine or a schedule surrounding meals and snacks. So, um, which a lot of families are already doing, and a lot of times if you have school age kids, they're already they're. I mean, we're in a virtual world right now for a lot yeah. of kids, so it's <laughs> different. But, but you know, schools already kind of have a schedule, right? You usually wake up in the morning, you have breakfast, they have a snack, and then lunch. They come home maybe, but. Um, a good rule of thumb is kids need to eat typically every maybe like two to four hours, depending on the age of their kids and kind of what their appetite is like. And when you go back to that division of responsibility that we were talking about at the beginning, parents set the what, the when, and the where. So that when piece is we are deciding kind of what that looks like. So what I usually recommend is we, we have breakfast, a morning snack, lunch, an afternoon snack, dinner, and then sometimes a bedtime snack if it works with your schedule, if there's enough time between dinner and bedtime. But um, <clears throat> the reason behind this is, number one, that kids thrive on kind of routine and predictability. And I sometimes call this routine beside, um, instead of schedule, just because I know that like there mm -hmm. is some wiggle room. If you're out, you're doing things, it's going to change a little bit. So there's definitely wiggle room. You just want to do the best you can. But at those times, that's when you're providing the food. And then in between meals, you know, you're not going to be offering food um, and you're not going to be grazing throughout the day. And another really, really big reason behind this is that we want when we're feeding our kids, we want them to be hungry. And if a child is grazing throughout the day, you know, if they have just eaten something at lunchtime, of course, they're not going to be hungry. So sometimes with this, I use an analogy of a gas tank where if we have a gas tank and let's say we're constantly just kind of topping it off a little bit, we're never allowing that gas tank to fully empty so then we could fill it up again. Yeah. And the same goes for our stomach. If we're constantly eating throughout the day, we're not allowing our body to digest the food so then we can kind of fill it up again. So so I think that's an important point. Um, and that being said, I think that sometimes when I work with parents who maybe they're concerned about their child's weight, they want them to eat more. They kind of think, well, if I'm feeding them constantly, they're going to eat more. Mm. But it's not necessarily true because um, then they're just not going to be as hungry. So it's it's 
it's shown that kind of giving them these scheduled meals and snacks is going to help them to be, to feel that hunger. Um, Cause that's what we want to do too. We want kids to kind of learn, okay, I'm hungry. I'm full. Like, how does that look? And we want them to learn that um, themselves. Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or our consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me know if you have any questions, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. So does that make sense? Yes. Um, that's so helpful. And, and when it comes to like the routine, it's like mm-hmm. when we're outside of the routine, because I, I hear a lot from the families I work with is like, if I don't kind of make my child sit down and eat, because they're always ping-ponging around and they just don't want to eat. Like, this is the common thing. Like, the kids just don't want to eat. And then later, like, they just want to grab a snack. Um, so the routine is more like, you know, I can see that you're hungry and we're going to have a snack at 2 p.m. So yeah. do you want to go outside and play with the water table or do you want to go, you know, um, get some Legos out until it's time for snack? But it's not like a constant just whenever you want. Would that be an accurate Absolutely. way to interpret that? And that's where the firm limits and come in, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, you're and you're not going to make your child eat at a certain meal or snack, um, right. but it's going to be you know snack time. And if they don't eat, you're also not saying, well, then you can't eat the rest of the day. You're going to end up like two hours later, maybe two and a half hours later, you're going to be offering another meal or snack. Yeah. Um, 
And I also just want to make one more point that will hopefully help your friend. And, and I hear this a lot from parents about dinner time and how crazy and stressful it is. Yeah. Sometimes what I recommend is having an afternoon snack and have that be like a more substantial snack. Um, yeah. When I, I, I think I should actually clarify when I say snack, I don't mean like you have to give them chips or, you know, cookies or like goldfish. A snack is really just a mini meal. Um, like I usually at meals, you want to have maybe three to four food groups where a snack might be one to two food groups, but you can kind of play around with that. Like some kids might be hungrier for a morning snack than they are at lunch and that's okay. Um, but what I found has sometimes worked for families is like, let's have a bigger afternoon snack. Let's make it more substantial. Let's have it include more food groups. And then at dinner time, when everybody's so stressed out, a lot of times parents just don't feel as, as much pressure to get their kids to eat because, you know, they've had this big snack earlier. Um, but you're, you know, you're still going to wait those couple of hours, but it just, it sometimes like takes that pressure off of dinner. Like they need to eat a certain amount. Um, does that make sense? Yep. (laughs) I'm just thinking back to like the funniest story. Oh my gosh. Of, um, when, It's so funny now. That's why, like, families, if you are listening and you have young kids and you're, like, stressed about eating, I promise you you're going to laugh at it one day. Like, just trust me. (laughs) But, oh, my gosh, I remember we had just had our second. And so, the like, the reason why I became a positive parenting educator is my first daughter is such a gift. She's an angel, but she came out with a pretty strong spirit, like, intense, strong, incredibly driven girl and just as a radical human being. But um, but her toddler years were really, really tough. And so we um, had our second child and he had colic too. So we had two colicky babies. Uh. We were like, what the hell? What are the chances? And so (laughs) we would used to, we used to, so Terry, Terry was working in Orange County, a gazillion miles away. So he'd drive home and get home at like 7 PM. And I feel like that was back in the day when like, before I learned all this, we have like, don't worry about the family meal. Like there was so much pressure around the family meal. Like daddy's going to come home. We're going to have dinner at seven, which is way too mm-hmm. late for a three-year-old and a newborn. And we, the baby could not, literally could not be happy. Like that witching hour was so bad. Oh. He would just cry constantly. Same with Stella when she was yeah. little. But so we sat on an exercise ball and we were, I remember like watching each other and we'd try to be eating rice with a fork, like while the baby was on our front pack eat like bouncing on this exercise ball to keep the baby moving just like miserable and at the same time um terry's mom had moved here and um from maryland and so she's sitting here and we're like trying to have this like normal meal and stella won't sit still she won't doesn't want to eat her food and i remember just flipping out and being like that's it you're at a timeout and this is like i said right before we found positive parenting and like completely yeah. did a 180 but i remember taking her up to her room i she wouldn't stay in a timeout so i locked her in her room like put her food away like made her food go away and i came back downstairs and this was kind of like the icing on the cake and gigi who's like our angel she's amazing and moved here like continues to be so involved with us and our kids and just is our rock but she was like I am not comfortable with this I'm gonna go and I was just like the worst (laughs) night ever I was like oh great I like basically hate my child mealtime sucks um grandma's judging me and like I just just, like hate parenting and it was like all because Stella I mean not all we all know this right we think it's all because of the kids behavior but it's not but it was just she didn't want to eat her dinner and like it was just 
there was so much stress and pressure. And I think back, and I always tell that story, and now I laugh at it, but um, but it's like if I just would have had all these resources that you're talking about and this wisdom that you've shared with us, that it's okay, it's not a big deal. That dinner doesn't Absolutely. have to be this end-all, be-all. Like, it's okay. No. If she wants to go to bed hungry, it's okay. Like, if she needs to go play Legos while we have dinner one night, um, it's okay. Like, if she needs to go sit on the ground and play Legos and not eat three nights a week for all I care, just don't make it so stressful, like find a different way, get creative, like have a bigger snack, you know, so you're not so worried about it. Um, But you live and learn, you know, you live and learn. Totally, totally. And even with that, you know, I a lot of times, sometimes I'll recommend a bigger afternoon snack, but even having like an after dinner snack, like just one more. So if you're if you don't feel like, oh, my child doesn't eat a lot of dinner, try to have one more opportunity for them to eat. You know, they're not it, it might it might sometimes be like dessert type foods, but it might not it might be whatever you offer but just giving them one more opportunity. So then if they do eat two bites at dinner to go play, you can feel okay with that. Yeah. yeah. We always tell Taryn, our little guy is just like his daddy. Um, Terry and I have been dear friends since I was like, gosh, 15. So I've known him Mm. forever. And we started dating when I was 17. So forever ago, but he was always like, I called him the trash compactor back in high school. And like, because I would, we would go out to dinner I would finish and then he would finish the meal. Like he was just like this tall, lengthy, skinny guy, but he could eat Mm -hmm. like forever. And that's how our little guy is too. He is just like constantly hungry. And after dinner, literally, like he'll be like, mom, I'm hungry. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But we've realized that we can, the fruit bar is always open. Like the fruit and vegetable Mm -hmm. bar is always open. So now Mm -hmm. he knows he can go get himself some applesauce or um, an apple and slice it up. Or we've gotten a little loosey goosey with like bananas and honey, but we feel like that's an okay thing. You know, as far as like, if you really feel like you need something before bed, um, because he is just growing at an exponential rate. He's an amazing athlete. We're like, cool, dude, do what you got to do. Like, you're, if you're hungry, you're hungry. Absolutely. So um, I like that idea. And, and, and yeah, I think that's such a good point because like, yes, I can give all this advice. I could tell you to do a routine and like all this stuff, but you also have to figure out what works for you and your family. And if, if yeah. some, you know, some of this stuff that I'm saying might resonate, some might not resonate, but you take what works for you and what feels good to you and what like, what feels right. Cause like, just take that any pressure off. And that's like, I think that's just yeah. like the biggest piece of what I teach is like, it's not your job, but make your life work for you. Cause we, we have so much stress as parents. So we need, we need to make this work for us. Yes. And I know I've learned that empathy is kind of a key component to aid in creativity. And I think everything mm-hmm. you're talking about here is like, if you can just center yourself, come down a little bit and realize that the more you get creative, the like mm-hmm. there, there's going to be all these doors that open up that you may not have thought about before when you were just focusing on the control and do what I say or else yeah. um, that is really beautiful but it really starts with the empathy portion so if you can just Absolutely. remember that it's been a long time since we've all were three and five year olds who like had got invited to the cricket dinner <laughs> but right. just imagine what it must be like and then I think that leads okay so one more one more question and then I want you to tell listeners where they can find you and we're going to make sure we put everything in the show notes page but one thing that I remember helping us and I don't know if this this helps with picky eaters too is 
But the idea of like sequencing, so not the like threats of like, if you eat your vegetables, then you get to have your pasta, but more like um, first, like we do our salad or a vegetable and then we, um, we move on to the second course and then we move on to the third course. And it's just more like, first we take a shower and then we drive to work. Um, but that really worked well for us and helped us when the kids were little because they would sit down and be hungry a lot of times. And so when I give them their salad or their cut up um, sweet potatoes or carrots or whatever, it was like the first thing they went for. Does that, mm-hmm. is that accurate? Yeah, I think that it totally depends on the family. I think that for some, like for your family, it totally worked. I could see with some families where the child who might be more selective or more picky, mm-hmm. who might not be into it, it might cause more anxiety to be served mm-hmm. something like that first versus some of the other meal. So yeah. um, I love that idea if it if it works, but if you try it and you notice your, it's not working, like that's okay too. Cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But I think that that's, that's it's, a, it's like a neat concept. It's like when you go to a restaurant or you go to a fancy dinner and you get served your first course and your second course. Um, and I think like with that, I think a really good point is that like what the different foods that we serve and how we serve it, it's different for every family. You know, like I think of my family, we do a lot of like one pot meals where it's, I'll do like chilies and stews. And that's just kind of how I like to eat and how we've grown up eating. But for a lot of families, it's more kind of separate, like the protein and the carb and the vegetable are more separate. So you do what works for you and kind of what, what's like what you gravitate towards. So does that make sense? Yep. And one last one that I thought of. One yeah. last one. Okay. I also Absolutely. heard one time that um, like a self-service can help, especially yeah. when it comes to like empowerment with kids. And like I work with so many families who have strong-willed power kids, the kids who want to yeah. leave have those, have, have those strong desires to lead, which is awesome. I love those kids so much. Um, but like uh, the idea of like putting stuff on the table that's family style, like the fruit salad. Yeah the green beans, the chili, and then everybody serves themselves. Does that help with with this? Absolutely. So yeah, I have a whole blog post on that. So I can can share that more. But family style meals, I find that they are super helpful um, for most for most families if it works for you. But basically, exactly like you're saying, it's putting out the bowl of rice and chicken and, um, and vegetables and allowing kids to um, take their own take some themselves. Um, and I mean, even kids, you know, you wouldn't think of it, but even kids like that are 18 months to two years of age can still do this maybe with a little help. And the reason behind that is because when it comes to like portions and portion sizes, they're, they're serving themselves. Number one, they're allowing themselves to like do what feels right. So we're not pleading for them. Um, and the other thing it could help with when it when we think about that trying new food piece and how we want to expose kids to new food, we can expose it to them maybe without them trying it. So we might say, um, oh, Sydney, can you pass me the broccoli? So she might not be eating broccoli yet, but nice. she picks up the bowl. It's in front of her. She smells it and then she passes it to the next person. So we're kind of like by putting it on the table, we're just exposing them to different foods and then we're allowing them to kind of figure out how they want to portion um, and everything. So yeah, I love that. That's a real, I'm glad that you brought that up. Awesome. And it, and it just reminds me that like, I know if you're listening to this right now, you might've gotten like a little trigger in you. That's like, Oh my gosh, that, that is like so releasing of control because Uh you're like, if I don't put the peas on their plate, 
there's no way they're going to try it. And what, what, um, you just shared Rachel so beautiful because it's like, we know in the parenting world that kids learn so much and are influenced so much by watching us and what we model. And then the sharing about the passing the broccoli is so beautiful, but to like, really this brings in like, again, you just got to have faith and trust what Rachel is sharing with you. And what I'm sharing with you as a positive parenting educator, that it'll happen. You just got to have faith in the, in your children and know that the forcing and the stress and the, like the, the, that kind of stuff, it's, it's not going to work, but the just modeling, providing the consistency and letting your child be empowered to take care of their own body is really, um, it's a beautiful way. So absolutely. Okay, well, Rachel, share with listeners where they can find you. Um, yeah. I know you have a free guide they can go grab. Um, so tell us more. Yeah, so my um, website, it's nutritioninbloom.com, so my um, business name. And I have a <clears throat> fabulous guide. It's called Four Steps to Help Your Child Try New Foods. It's a long title. But it's basically a guide that kind of goes over the things that you can do to empower your kids and kind of get them on the path of eating new food. So kind of dives into a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. Um, I know you'll put it in the show notes, but it's at nutrition and bloom slash guide. Um, I'm on Instagram at nutrition.in.bloom. And then I also have a really fabulous Facebook community that I started um, several months ago that's continuing to grow you can probably, I'll, I know you'll link to it, but um, yeah, it's a group just for like-minded parents. Um, I provide tips. I go out live um, every couple weeks just to chat about different things that come up, you know, like some of the mealtime behaviors and how do I get my child to stop throwing food or to stay in their seat or um, to try new things. So I go over it and, um, and, and yeah, so yeah. That's so awesome. I need to create, um, I'm just about to do a, a new Facebook community for the listeners of the Fresh Start Family Show, and I need awesome. to dive into that. So that's great to hear that yeah. you have a thriving community. And, yeah, and I will just say, you know, if you if you feel like you need support, I do offer, so I do one-on-one um, sessions, um, I do group coaching, and then in the next month or so, I'm going to be offering a course, which, which will hopefully include some kind of membership where you can kind of get ongoing support. So you can, if you download my guide, you'll be added to my email list and you'll get all the information on all of that. I love it. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for um, being such a light for families and for encouraging and supporting families. We really appreciate what you're doing. I know everything you've shared with us today has been going to be so helpful for families and we hope you have a great day. Awesome. Thanks so much. It was great to chat with you. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano instead of respond like the firm 
kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kids' worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening and I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode.